chapter 10. And for those of you that are joining us online, welcome back. We barely made it, but we did just watch a scene from the 1984 classic, Ghostbusters, where, I don't know if you guys know this, this was their very first time encountering a ghost. And it resulted in Peter Bankman, a.k.a. Bill Murray, getting slimed, right? Okay, and so, listen, because today is Halloween, I think this would be an especially appropriate, appropriate time to ask a question like this. Um, family, are ghosts real? Sounds like some mixed reactions. Okay, what about this, though? Um, other than the Holy Ghost... Does the Bible say anything about any other ghosts? Well, what about this, okay? Um, do you guys remember, if you know much about the life of Jesus, you remember that time he walked on water? Okay, so it was in the middle of the night. Um, the disciples were rowing their boat across a lake and Jesus was on this other side and he wanted to go catch up with them. So he walked miraculously on the water to go and catch up with them. And watch what it says right here in Matthew 14, 26. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Okay, all right. But what about this? What about the time um, just shortly after Jesus had risen from the grave, and then he showed up suddenly in the same room as the disciples? And do you remember what he said to them then? Watch this. This is Luke 24. I'm going to pick it up in verse 38. He said to them, why are you frightened? Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Watch this. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. Are you seeing this? Is it just me, or does it sound like Jesus is speaking about ghosts as if the disciples would have obviously interacted with or seen a ghost before? Anybody? Okay, so let me ask one more time. Are ghosts real? <laughs> well, I suppose it could sort of depend on how you define the word ghost. Um, but I think typically when we think of ghosts, I think typically we, we tend to think about the spirit of a dead person that's somehow visibly like floating around? Or maybe we think about like kind of like a ghostly monster of some kind, but check this out, get this. In your Bible, right, in 1 Samuel chapter 28, we have this time where some real people really did see a ghost, okay? So Saul, the king of Israel at that time, he was about to go into battle and he was very scared. He didn't know what the outcome would be. And so he wanted to know if his army was going to win or not. So he went to see a sorceress to see if he could get some information about the future. Now, it's ironic that he went to a sorceress because as king of Israel, he had actually outlawed things like sorcery in the land of Israel. And, and here's why he did that, because God had told his people not to have anything to do with things like sorcery. And we'll talk about why here in just a bit. But so he goes and sees this sorceress. He assures her, don't worry, I'm not going to get you in trouble if you help me this one time. And so sure enough, the Bible says that she summoned 
or conjured up the spirit of a dead prophet of God named Samuel. Okay, now Samuel had helped Saul many times before, but then Samuel had died. But Saul was still trying to look if he could get in touch with Samuel to see if Samuel could help him out one more time. He wanted to know if Samuel could tell him what would happen in this battle. And sure enough, Samuel shows up. And Samuel tells him what's going to happen. He gives him some bad news. He says, Saul, you're going to die. Now leave me alone. I'm going back to my gold-plated heavenly hot tub. All right, but the point is this. Listen to me, okay? The ghost, or you could say the spirit of a dead man, really did come and stand or float right there in front of them. They saw a real ghost. So, one more time, are ghosts real? Okay, so listen to me. I know this may shock some of you because you've been told your whole life that it's all just in our imagination, that it's not real or anything like this, but listen to me. Ghosts, or you could say the spirits of men and women... And the spirits of other created beings, including angels and even fallen angels, oh, they're very much real. Very much. And let me say it this way, okay? Our natural world that we live in is surrounded by an invisible supernatural world that is full of spirits. And there are a lot of interactions that do take place between that invisible world and the one that we live in right here. In fact, it happens way more often than our culture would want us to believe. Okay, but here's part of what I believe God wants us to understand today. It's that as believers or as followers of Jesus, you and I must have our spiritual eyes open so that we can identify when and how much and which kind of spiritual forces are influencing or sometimes even driving our everyday natural lives, sometimes for good and for God's glory, or sometimes, even if we're not aware of it, sometimes for evil. Okay, he also wants us to understand how you and I are to interact with the spiritual realm because there are good ways to do that and there are bad ways, or I will say harmful ways, that you and I can do that. And so, family, again, on this Halloween, I think it's probably good for us to have all of our eyes opened up spiritually to the fact that um, every October... The world, in essence, celebrates. We, we begin to celebrate the evil side of the spiritual realm that surrounds us. Okay, and look, I'm not just being some old school religious tightwad when I say that. Okay, I'm, I'm being real, okay? Listen to me. Here's the truth. Every year around Halloween and on Halloween, the world tends to perk up to and even celebrate things like death, and ghosts, and monsters, or you could say evil spirits. All right, and so if we're not careful, we can actually give a platform in our lives to the demonic spiritual realm, okay? But listen, here's where I'm really going with all of this today. Just follow me, okay? For many of us, I'm gonna say all this with grace, is not just a Halloween thing. Okay, follow me. 
The side of the spiritual realm that stands in opposition to Jesus, in opposition to God and everything that's good, that side of it, it's having way more influence in our lives all year long than many of us realize. Okay? Uh, I'll say it this way, kind of like the movie clip. Um, Man, some of us are getting slimed. Okay? Think about it. With grace... Certain temptations just own us every time we face them. We keep going back to secret sin. And then after the sin occurs, there are these voices in our heads or in our hearts um, that tell us how awful we are and how much God could not possibly love us. We can't control our anger. In some cases, our relationships are not getting better as we follow Jesus. They're just continuing to deteriorate. Our finances are a stress all the time. Our anxiety is through the roof on and on and on and on. Listen, friends, I'm going to say it this way. The, the enemy is having a heyday with the people of God way more than he should be. Okay, now let me be clear, though, that um, not every bad thing we experience in life is from Satan or demons right? Not even every temptation we face is from Satan or demons. The book of James actually tells us that oftentimes when we're tempted, we're tempted by our own evil desires within us. So let me just make that really clear. Um, you and I are really good at making terrible choices all on our own that can lead to tough consequences. Can I get an amen? <sighs> However, that does not negate the fact that there are demonic spirits working hard all around us and even interacting with us, sometimes we're not aware of it, but interacting with us to keep us from Jesus and the life he has for us. And so what are we to do? What do we do? Well, I realize this may sound incredibly cheesy right now, but you listen to me, family. We're supposed to be ghostbusters, y'all. Only instead of using unlicensed nuclear accelerators, <laughs> a.k.a. proton packs. Listen to me. We use the authority of God given to us through our relationship with Jesus in order to resist evil, even stop evil, and command demonic forces to flee rather than you and me getting pushed around and manipulated by them. Okay, you got your Bibles open to Luke, Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10, okay? Here's what we're going to see. Jesus sends out 72 of his disciples because he had way more than 12. He sent out 72 of his disciples and he, he told them to go and do everything he had been doing, to go and preach the good news of the kingdom, to heal sick people, to set people free, to go after the lost and bring them back to the heart of God. And so they obey and they go and we're going to pick it up in verse 17 when they return. Here we go, Luke 10, verse 17 it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, watch, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yeah. Yes, he told them. Mm -hmm. I know. Watch this. Fellas, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. 
In other words, boys, I was there when Satan and his demonic forces tried to kick my father off his throne, but me and my father threw Satan and his demons to the ground. How many know that's a hard landing when it's like lightning? Okay, but listen, Jesus is saying he's not surprised that demons obey his disciples, okay? Because he's saying he himself, he has all power and authority over every spiritual being. And so watch verse 19. Then he says, look, okay, look, um, you disciples, you want to know why demons obey you when you use my name? It's because I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Okay, is he talking about literal snakes and scorpions? Okay, look, if you were to look this up in your Bible, you will see that this is sort of like poetic language. Um, this is describing demons. Snakes, sometimes Satan is referred to as a serpent. Snakes, scorpions, demons, and he'll even say that basically right here. He says, nothing will injure you, he says, but don't rejoice because, here we go, evil spirits obey you. Rather, rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Okay, gathering family. If Jesus has called us to be his disciples, then would you agree that he intends for you and me to walk in the same kind of authority that those 72 disciples had? Yeah, he does. So why don't we then? Or why don't we as much as we could be? Why does it seem like the enemy gets to just have a heyday in our lives on a regular basis? Okay, well, I've got three reasons why. Now, I could phrase it this way, and I, and I could say, what are the three things that are keeping us from walking in the God-given authority we're supposed to? Okay, but in, instead of asking why aren't we, let's do it this way. How can we? Okay, you guys ready? Listen, how, how can we walk in the God-given authority we're supposed to through our relationship with Jesus? I know it's cheesy, but come on, how can we be Ghostbusters, y'all? Actually, I don't think that's cheesy. I'm from the 80s. I dreamed about being a Ghostbuster. Come on. Here's number one. Follow me. Listen, close the open doors. You want to walk in the spiritual authority that Jesus wants you to walk in? Start with this. Close the open doors. And now, um, what do I mean by that? I mean, close the spiritual doors that are currently open in your life that are allowing demonic spirits to have access to you. Okay, follow me. Listen, spiritual doors are anything or any relationship you open yourself up to that influences you to go against what God says you should have or what you should be partaking in. It's anything that leads you to make a choice where you're choosing, even if you don't realize you're choosing it, where you're choosing what Satan and demons want for your life rather than what God says you should have or partake in. Okay, now I know many of us would say, well, I would, I would never choose. I would never purposefully choose what a demon tells me to choose. I would never do what they say. And I believe that for the majority of us. Okay, I do, but that's the problem. And I'm going to say this with grace, but 
many of us don't have our spiritual eyes open enough yet to realize that demonic spirits are behind many of the things that our culture is currently trying to get us to choose. And hey, look, demons don't care if you're aware of them or not. They're perfectly fine with deceiving us into choosing demonic things rather than what God would have us choose. But even if you're deceived, you're still opening up a door into your life where you're saying, I choose what demons want rather than what God wants. And friends, that's when evil spirits, that's when they get to have an influence in and even through you rather than you having authority over them. And listen, here's the progression that can occur when we leave spiritual doors, evil spiritual doors open long enough. It can lead to increased sin in our lives to increase temptation and spiritual attacks. To, I'm telling you, we keep going. It can lead to uh, spiritual oppression where you're actually having demons attack you on a regular basis, you and your family. So listen to me, and there's some theological debates about this next part, but if we will leave evil spiritual doors open long enough, I'll say this, especially if you're a non-believer in this room today, but there's some theological debate about this, but I mean, we can open ourselves up to demonic possession. You keep going long enough. Okay, so very practically then, what are open doors? What, what are some, okay? There are things like, listen, relationships that continuously lead you further from God. I'm going to say all this next stuff with grace, okay? But we got to see these things. It's things like sex outside of marriage. It's drugs and it's um, alcohol abuse and altered states of mind that can open you up spiritually to the demonic it's highly sexualized music or music that glorifies death or music that glorifies drugs. It's highly sexualized shows that we watch and take in or shows that glorify death or demonic shows that, um, that glorify the demonic realm or make light of devil worship and make it look fun and attractive, things like that. If we wanna get really practical, Practical though, because I know some of us would be like, man, I'm not doing any of that stuff. Okay, listen to this. When we vote, when we vote for political things that clearly go against what God wants for his people, here's what we're doing. Our vote is a statement. It's an expression. It's an open door from us where we're saying, We'd rather have what demons want for our land than what God wants for our land. Because you, you listen to me. Don't you think for a second that there aren't demonic spirits behind many of the political agendas we're facing? But you got, you got to have your eyes open to see it. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, that dude's just a religious dude. So, so listen, I'm not being some holy roller right now. I'm being real. Okay, and I've had enough experience in my life of letting the enemy own me. But by the grace of God, he's been opening my eyes to demonic schemes more and more. So family, we gotta close the doors. Okay, and if I'm wrong about these things, then why is it that you and I will just continue to go on, on with life and if we leave these things open, life just does not get any better. 
Okay, I'm going to be really, really real again. Um, but on this Halloween, it's a, like it's totally appropriate. We should talk about these things all year long, but especially today. Listen to me. It's things like tarot cards, open doors, palm readings, open doors, horoscopes, Ouija boards, seances, new age practices, things like sorcery. Okay, things where we're looking, listen to me, things where we're looking to a spirit that's not the Holy Spirit to give us information about our future, or things where we're looking to a spirit that's not the Holy Spirit to try to give us a better outcome in life. Okay, now, let me be clear. As Christians, it's not that we believe these things aren't real or that we think that there's no power or knowledge to be gained by these things. It's just that we understand that these things allow Satan and demons to exert their power into our natural world through us at our expense when we open ourselves up to these things. It hurts us and it hurts others. That's why God does not want us to partake in these things. Family, apart from the Holy Spirit, when we try to access the spiritual realm for our own gain, then all we're getting is a counterfeit of the real power we're supposed to walk in as God's kids. And in the process, Satan is going to rob us of the authority and the power we're supposed to be walking in. Okay, so real quick though, let me just clarify. Um, Some of you might be thinking, well, am I not supposed to take my kids trick-or-treating tonight? I ain't saying that. Am I supposed to turn off all the lights and not let anybody show up at my house tonight? I definitely ain't saying that. I'm saying, man, shine the light tonight. I'm saying you go out right now and you get the biggest candy bars you can afford and you're taping at the movies invite to them and when those kids show up at your doors, you'll be a light. Amen? Okay, so listen, how, how do you close the doors? How, how do you close the doors? Well, first off, you, you gotta get close to God. And you invite him to open up your spiritual eyes. That's the first part. But, but listen, as you invite him, then you throw out the things and then you start saying no to the relationships that are causing you to choose what Satan wants rather than what God wants. You shut the door on the influence those things are having in your life as you simultaneously open up the door to Jesus. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. You open up the door and you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, into your heart, into your home, into your family. You say, I want all of your love and your power in me. Here's number two. How do we operate in our God-given authority? Confess the open doors. Confess the open doors. And look, I'll be honest. Um, Here's just another way we could say that. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Family, the Bible makes it clear that Satan and demons operate in darkness. Okay, and here's why they operate in darkness. It's to keep us blind while they rob us of the life we're supposed to live with Jesus. While they rob us of the power that God wants to give us, because they know if we can be robbed of that, then there's nothing we can do to stop them. Okay, so watch what Jesus says about this in John 3, verse 20. He says, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear. For fear their sins will be exposed. By the way, fear is from Satan, not from God. 
But those who do what is right, including things like repentance and confession of sin, those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Now, I know, I know from personal experience, we fear confessing sin. Can I get an amen? We, we fear it, right? But listen, when we bring it into the light, when we appropriately confess sin with other trusted believers who are also pursuing Jesus, that's when demons lose their power over us and we start taking authority over them. Okay, it's Halloween. You want to see one of the scariest verses in the entire Bible? You guys ready? This is going to freak you out. James 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other. <laughs> Scariest verse in the Bible. Confess. <laughs> Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's not scary, is it? The earnest prayer of a righteous person, someone who's in right standing with God, has great power. And, reduces, or, and produces wonderful results. And so let me just remind you, okay, I say this all the time, but this is a safe place to confess sin. All right, but I also, I just want to help us today. Um, let's expand our understanding of what confession can actually look like. Okay, I want to make it less scary, all right? So listen, family, um, where are some other places other than right here like, where are some other places where it's safe and appropriate to confess sin? I would say things like this. Freedom gatherings and neighborhood gatherings. Right? Where you can be with other trusted believers who are also pursuing Jesus. And so, listen, sometimes it is absolutely appropriate to go meet with a pastor or go meet with a leader one-on-one and confess some sin. Sometimes, okay? But, but watch this. Um, let me give you another example of what confession can look like. Okay, sometimes you might find yourself in neighborhood gathering. Those are our small groups here if you're new. And you might be reading the Bible together and a passage might come up about unforgiveness. And then someone in the group might just actually say, you know what? I've been dealing with some unforgiveness in my heart for this person who hurt me. Okay, can I tell you what that is right there? That's called confessing an open door. Because you do realize that unforgiveness is also an open door for the enemy to begin to have his way. But just confess the open door, and I guarantee you, here's what happens. So somebody will perk up, and they'll be like, man, I, I got to confess. I, just, I got some unforgiveness in my heart for this person who hurt me. Inevitably, somebody else in the group will begin to say, you know what? I've got some of that in my life, too. Confession, confession. And then here's what we do in neighborhood gathering. Then we pray together. And we can pray to Jesus that he would help us forgive the people we need to forgive. And then the Holy Spirit can empower us to forgive those people. And when we forgive them, that's when the door gets closed. Come on. And so the door gets closed. We get set free. We operate in our God-given authority and demons begin to flee. Come on, amen? And so guess what? When you think of it that way, like confessing sin just really isn't all that scary, is it? So, confess the open doors, then here's number three. Renounce the open doors. Renounce the open doors. Okay, let me just 
let me just be very clear about this. Um, just like demons will whisper into your head and into your heart, whisper thoughts and whisper lies. We've all experienced this before, haven't we? So you may not realize that's what it's been. But just like they'll whisper to us, here's what we do. We use the voice that God has given us to actually speak out loud into our natural world, which will allow the spiritual realm around us to hear us as well. Okay, listen to me. You and I need to renounce the doors that we've had open. We need to renounce those things in the name of Jesus. And I'm serious. I, I mean, we need to actually say it out loud. And I do this all the time. Okay, I still do this. Um, I do this. I'll do this in my, in my home. I'll do this um, as I'm on a walk. I'll do this in my car. If there has been sin in my life and, and the Holy Spirit's making me aware of it, I will say out loud, I renounce that in the name of Jesus. I'm not going back to it. I'm done. I even do this when I drive around town. I'll do this over our town. I'll do this in some of the other towns we go to when we do pop-up. I'll say, you know what? We used to be like this and we used to do this. Not anymore. I renounce that in the name of Jesus. And then I pronounce in the name of Jesus, this region's going to be reborn. I do this over my family. I do this in my home. I do this over our church. I do this every Sunday before I come out and preach. I actually say out loud, I say things like, Satan, get out in the name of Jesus. We renounce you. You have no place here. You have no right to be among these people. We operate in our God-given authority. Gathering family, if you want to be a ghostbuster and you want demons to obey you like they did with those 72 disciples, then you need to use your God-given authority and tell them what to do in Jesus' name. You command them. And so I've shared um, several times throughout the life of our church, I've shared this story about how when Rachel and I were first married, uh, we were saving up a down payment for a house. We were living in the Kansas City area. We were dreaming of buying a nice house in the Kansas City area. We were saving up a down payment. Um, the church we were a part of at that time, though, um, they were actually doing a kids building construction project at the time. It was like, we're doing a kids building construction project? And we had that money saved up, our hearts set on mine a house, and I'm not kidding, God made it so clear that we were to give that money to help build the house of God rather than to buy a house for ourselves. Um, by his grace, we did it. One of the best decisions we've ever made in our lives. Okay, I've shared that many times. I don't know if I've ever shared this next part, though. The next day after we gave that gift, I started having a voice speak to me in my head. And it went like this. Hey, Brandon, um, don't you worry. That church is going to reach out and say thank you for that big gift any day now. They, they owe you that. You, you gave a big gift. That Don't worry. Just sometime this week, just look for it. They'll be, they'll be reaching out. Okay, I heard that thought in my head. It, went, it was trying to work its way down here. But um, listen, I just kind of searched my heart, and I was like, that's not true. That's, I don't need that. And so I didn't say anything, but I just, in my, in my brain, I just, I just said, that's not true, and I moved on. Okay, well, as the week continued, by Friday, that voice had grown loud and grown intense to where it was like, Brandon, this is so disappointing that nobody from the church is called to thank you for that gift. Don't they know what that means to you? They owe you a thank you for this. Okay, do you see what the temptation was? 
The temptation was to open up a door of bitterness and divisiveness when the church didn't know me a thing. We were just doing what God had told us to do. Okay, so I searched my heart. I mean, I really prayed. I was like, is this coming from me? Okay, but deep down, I, I just kept coming back to the fact that I do not feel like I'm owed anything. We just wanted to honor God. So nobody needs to call me. And when I, when I began to really process that, I realized this is not coming from my own heart. This is demonic. And so, family, I stood there in my apartment that day when I realized this, and I said out loud, Satan, leave in the name of Jesus. This is a lie. I renounce it, and you have no right to speak to me about it anymore. And I'm not kidding. The demon obeyed when I used my God-given authority. It left, and I never heard that voice again. Family, listen to me. They will obey you when you operate in your God-given authority too. I'm going to invite the band to begin to make their way up here. Everybody just, just look at me real quick. Just look right here. An oppressed Christian is a powerless Christian who continues to get robbed by the enemy. They're oppressed and they're powerless and they're robbed because they continue to have so many open doors in their lives for demons to have access to them, for them to get robbed of what God wants them to have. You listen to me, that is not the life that Jesus died and rose again to give you. You are called to operate in the authority of Jesus. You are called to be a disciple of Jesus and for demons to obey you. You are called to take back what the enemy has stolen for the kingdom of God. That's the call that's on your life. You're called to operate in the authority of God and for heaven then, for the power, for the, for the, transformation, the, the, the transforming life of heaven to invade our natural realm, that spiritual realm, the good side of it, heaven to invade through you and me as we operate in the power of God. You're supposed to be a ghostbuster, y'all. Okay, so how do we do that? You stay close to Jesus and you close the open doors. And you appropriately confess the open doors as well. And you renounce the enemy in Jesus' name. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray together.